This one is so good. I am incredibly pleased to be able to bring it to you. Thanks for spending time with us. I am Emily Danielson, and today on Bible Idiots Podcast, a very special message, one that will impact you. As the mayor of Bible Idiots Village, Chris Danielson brings a life-changing message. Chris takes us from start to finish in the Christian life in his no-nonsense, straightforward way, as only he can do, in a sermon entitled, Sanctification for Real. Share this message with anyone who wants to know why we need a Savior, who that Savior really is, how we're justified and saved, and how the Lord works through and in us to grow us in what's called sanctification. In this one message, Chris covers it all. Blessings as you listen. I'm excited about today. And I'm excited about today because sometimes through the course of study and presentation assembly, you kind of have the sun, moon, and stars all line up, and that's what today is. Today's actually coming out of part necessity, part hope, and part um, just encouragement. I will tell you this before we get going, that if you hear this message, you will never be able to stand in front of Jesus saying, no one told me. Because today, the Word of God is going to lay it out for you. And there's a lot of scriptures. I've even laid them out in your notes. So you can reflect on this going forward. The title of the message is called Sanctification for Real. Not for real, but for real. Like it's a real thing. And the text is going to be Romans 8, 28 through 29, and you're not going to even hear that to the very end of the message today. There's a reason for that. Because if you listen and, and stay with me for the next 25 to 30 minutes, it will have a bigger impact on you. And that, that, hopefully that verse you never look at the same way again. So let me start by saying I've been here for a year and a half, and I want to give you this example so that you can start to get your mind around where we're going and why we're going there. And as I came to Abilene, based on the things that I saw, what I read, what I processed, and what I heard other people talking, I was convinced we had three grocery stores. We had Country Mart. We had Zay's. I'm telling the story here. I'm telling the story. We had Country Mart. We had Zay's. And we had Wes. Yeah, there was three. Now, I knew where Country Mart was, and I knew what, where Zay's was. <laughs> Stay with me. There's a point here. Man, I, you know, when I did prep this little story, I thought they won't interrupt me. <laughs> they, they'll let me go. All right, I'm going to start again. <laughs> I moved here a year and a half ago. <laughs> And this is good for understanding the justification, sanctification journey. Just stay with me now. Please, no interrupting. There were three grocery stores. There was Country Mart, there was Zay's, and there was Wes. Just based on my reading, my understanding, and what I heard other people saying. Now, yes, I learned it was called Zay's. I learned that. 
That's part of the story, is me learning that, that part. Thanks for ruining it, Seth. <laughs> and I also realized that West and Country Mart were the same place. It was West Country Mart. I didn't, I didn't realize that until one day I drove in there. and I'd been living here for like 60 days. I drove in there, and I'm like, it says West Country so I don't remember who it was. It might have been Greg Stuber. It might have been Ethan. I went to somebody and I said, hey, is, is West Country Mart, is that the same place? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we say West Chicken, they're talking about the deli at Country Mart. So the point is, is that was I wrong? Was I, was I just so off base that I wasn't really part of the Abilene culture? Was I not able to use those grocery stores? Was I not able to drive up to Zay's and walk in and buy a couple lemons knowing that the store is called Zay's, not knowing that? No, it didn't matter. They still took my money. I was still functioning. You know, and that's the reality I want you to get. That's kind of like sanctification. The more you grow in the reality, the more you can function in that reality. Now, I could function, but I wasn't really functioning properly. Because I had a misunderstanding that there were three grocery stores when there were only two. I had a misunderstanding that the one grocery store was pronounced Zai's instead of Zay's, which would have been much more impactful if somebody would have kept their mouth shut. <laughs> I don't want to point anybody out, Seth. <laughs> Kidding, bro, I love you. So it's the same thing with, with, with West Country Mart. As people say West, I, I, I started looking into it, and you know what? They used to be called West IGA. Is that true, Seth? Okay. See, I got that part right. Where's Eisenhower when you need him? <laughs> Look, the point is this. Sanctification is a lot like that. It's not that I was so wrong I couldn't function in society, but I didn't have it right. I didn't have it fully correct. And it wasn't that I was so off base that I was hurting myself or others, but to be part of the community, you should know where the grocery stores are and you should know what they're properly called. Wouldn't you think that would be helpful for somebody who wants to be part of a community that they actually know that Zay's is Zay's and that West Country Mart is one store? Does that make sense? Because here we go. We're going into the message now, but I want you to keep that in mind. When it comes to justification, sanctification, and growing in the Lord, I see so much of that type of stuff with people. The reality is I've learned a lot about people in the last 28 years of ministry. The relationships and experiences and circumstances along the way have exposed what I call, are you ready? Spiritual depth. Not just in those folks I've interacted with, but even in myself in big ways. You would have to know if you were talking grocery stores with me that I don't have an Abilene depth and been here long enough to know. Does that make sense? And in some communities like Abilene, I'm not saying Abilene's like this, but in some communities, you're still a new person 10, 15, 20 years later. And so we have a thing called spiritual depth, spiritual growth. It's the equivalent to spiritual strength like being a baby versus being someone who is mature. Now, sometimes you need pablum teaching where you, or you can maybe handle a big stake of a ministry professional. You can just absorb what God's truth is. And you can just get into different parts of God's word. That's growth. That's called the sanctification process. Follow? Now, I grow in the Abilene culture. And by the way, the Presidential Museum's not even been open one day since I've been here. I don't know if you know that. But let's just say 
I start growing in the culture, my people come to visit. Since the year and a half we've been here, we've had, what, 20 different people come and visit us? We drive them around like we know what we're talking about. We're going to stop by Zai's and get some food. I say with confidence. You see what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's our town. This is our town now because people come and visit us in our town. I have a church here, great people, covenant partner people, people that I pray for that I love. It's become ours, and I'm growing in what you can call Abilene sanctification. Yes? Same thing with the scriptures. You know, this is who we are. We're growing people, and we want to be better for the Lord, those of us who have been justified. If you've not been justified, that's a whole nother, nother talking. Look, it was 1994 when I had my first experience as a paid ministry professional. I became a youth pastor for a church while I was in college. Yes, I said it correctly, 1994, 11 years after I graduated high school. So if you know me and you're doing the math, you can figure out I was one of the oldest sophomores in that college. And not only was I the only media major, religious education minor with kids, but I already had four kids. And my youngest had already turned two. So from 28 years old with four kids in tow to starting a ministry in a church of about 400 people, and in that church, the senior pastor, trust me, was not my cup of tea. The church board had more than half of its uh, members sitting on the board, had been on that board for over 20 years. Can you say establishment? And a group of really awesome junior high schoolers who taught me two very important things. One, you can be an entitled teenager and still be pliable to the gospel until salvation. And number two, I never want to be a youth pastor again as long as I live. <laughs> it was right after this in the fall of 1995 that we went to northern Minnesota and attended seminary and then would work within and alongside multiple broadcast companies, many ministry associations. Uh, we, we became missionaries out in western Alaska and eventually became prominent guest speakers and conference speakers in churches and conferences throughout all of America. But one thing became incredibly clear. It was striking. And I've never gotten over it and I never get by it and it's with me every day. And it was that when you meet people, you are dealing with different spiritual depths and how different people would function in these different spiritual depths. Didn't matter what their title was. Didn't matter what, what uh, ministry they were with or what church they went to. You would find it in ways and it would just be, it would be mind-blowing to me. How do you surrender your life to Christ and then function? And, and I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not. We're going to get to that too as far as justification versus sanctification. But how could you not grow enough in the Lord to still have some of these mentalities. Some would see, so, you know, we'd meet some people, some would seem so strong in the Lord and deep on so many levels and, and just, oh, I've been impacted by my life and some of those people I've followed, some of those people we still stay in touch with. But then you'd also run across this flippant shallowness and some, it would just jump out at you when you interacted with them. I can tell you two very prominent Christian artists who have gold records who I wouldn't ask to lead a Bible study here at Lifehouse. Telling you. Let me give you another example. 2007, there's a growing megachurch in Chandler, Arizona. You met Russ Miller. We were speaking with Russ Miller. We were doing events with Russ Miller. 
when we got to this church, this church was, you know, picture 2007 in your mind, you know. I mean, everybody's doing lattes and mocha javas, and it's hipsters, and people are starting to wear jeans to church, and the cool pastors are starting to show up on the thing. And you know what? They didn't like Russ's slides. So the media department wanted to change his slides the day before we held an event with 1,300 people on a ticketed, paid event. 1,300 people were coming out to hear what was called a facts or fiction conference. And me and Emily and Russ Miller were the, were the three speakers that night. So they changed his slides. They wanted to use grayscale because it's just so hip and cool. And they ruined his slides. And it's one of the reasons why I like Russ. <laughs> you know, we've been in some of these battles together. That same place told me as a guest speaker, do not do an altar call. Why? We don't do those here. Uh, we don't want any of the seekers to feel uncomfortable. Might hurt our growth goals. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. So I ask you, can we be honest today? What do you think I, what do you think I found when I got here in July of 2020? For being honest, when I met everyone, there was a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of people were wounded and we were coming back. And it was COVID. I mean, it was just a unique thing. And I think that some of that enthusiasm masked some of the shallowness that was found in Abilene, Kansas. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. Now, let's flip that coin real quick before you guys get insulted because that's not the intention. The Lord has a lot of depth here as well. We found a lot of depth that has encouraged us and made us just know that the calling is sure. And, you know, it's, it's just the more I process it, the more the lack of depth with folks in 2022 has been exposed, not just here, but across the country. The weakness of the church, big, you know, big C church, not denominational, but just general churches, it's just out there for everybody to see and it'll continue. So with that in mind, I want to offer a straight-up biblical solution to the fact that we have people of all walks of life, all walks of spiritual strength, and various depths with us and among us. Is that fair to say? So I want to take you on a jet tour from born a sinner to the actual sanctification process for which many of us are well on our way and is happening each day of the week. Jet tour means it goes fast, so keep up. But if I lose you, you can go back and watch the YouTube later this week, which I would encourage because there's so many foundational verses right here. But let's start with point number one. We got to get to this because, again, when I've been having conversations with folks, sometimes it just seems like they're really with me. In fact, some, some of the people that are sitting in this audience, I feel almost have a deeper relationship with God than I do. And others, it's just like the most basic stuff goes over their head. So we're going to just take it all through it with God kind of being the, the preacher today. His word is going to be the preacher. Here we go. Number one, what is our actual condition? What is the actual condition? Well, you're sinful, and you were born that way. If you ever hear anybody say, oh, they were born that way, yeah, we were all born that way. We're all born sinful. Some have bents towards one thing or the, or the other. Adam and the fruit, remember it? Like they call it the fall, the fall of man. Sin entered the world. By the time you and I are around, the fallen world has been well established for thousands of years, correct? 
So we are inherently sinful, or another way to put it is we are naturally evil. Man, you can't grow a church with that message. You've got to tell people how great they are. But that's not the truth. The truth is we are naturally evil, and death has spread to all men and all women. That's a fact. Let's look at Romans 12 to get us kicked off today. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. That's our condition. How about Hebrews 9, 27? Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it appointed for people to die once and after this, the judgment. Do you believe what you believe is really real? This is real. Isaiah 59, 2. Let's go back to the Old Testament. But your iniquities are separating you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. That's awful. We are so sinful that God can't listen to us. We can't even be in his presence. God cannot be around where sin is. Sin has separated us from God, and we are now under the wrath of our sin, which, you know, under the wrath of God because of our sin. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 3 lays it out right there. Can't deny it. Here it is. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We, too, all previously lived among them in our flesh desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So we're going to have to pay for our sins with death unless we receive a free gift of God. What's that? Well, that's when love happened. Point number two, then love happened. While we were still sinners, love happened. Let's find out what that love is. Romans 5.8. In Romans 5.8 it says, But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That doesn't wake you up in the morning and make you sing a hallelujah. Those of you who've been justified, nothing will. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 continues. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That would be us, us sinners. He came to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons. You can even add sons and daughters. It's implied, humans, us. And then... You see John 3.16, but people forget about 17. So I have it underlined in your notes. I don't want you to forget about 17. John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then here it is. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Why? Because the world was already condemned. It was self-condemned. He didn't have to come and condemn it by living a perfect life and saying, look at all you. He came to save us out of great love. And then Hebrews 1.3, to put an exclamation point on point number two, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God 
at the majesty on high. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There it is. Hmm? Bada bang, bada boom. There it is. So now what? Now, as a free gift, we can transfer trust as I have told you. And that's our point three today. Point three today is justification is by repentance through faith. Justification is by repentance through faith. When Jesus preached, he said straight up, he came to call sinners to repentance. Okay? Repentance is confession and turning away from that. It's not just saying, well, I guess I'm broken. So, yeah, Jesus loves me, so I love him. I prayed the sinner's prayer. No, no, no. This is a real thing. And some people can do it flippantly. And those flippantly, I wonder why their sanctification doesn't grow very much. No, this is with repentance by faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the authentic Son of God who died for my sins, and I am going to repent of my sins. I'm going to confess my sins, and then I'm going to do all I can to turn from my sin. And when I struggle, when I can't hardly turn from some of those sins, that's called the sanctification process, which we're going to get into in a little bit here. But the true justification comes from repenting of your sins through faith. Luke 5.32, and then I've got three from Acts, and a Galatians, and a couple Romans. You ready? Let's go. Luke 5.32, I have, not call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There it is. After Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, this was the message the disciples preached. This is what love God, love others, be the church is really about. It starts here. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.19, Therefore, repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out. It's all... Consistent, isn't it? Acts 5.31. God exalted this man to the right, as right hand, as ruler and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Being forgiven of our sins and declared righteous by God through our faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. Galatians 3.23. Before this faith came... We were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. Why? Because all have sinned and fall short. Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus' one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all people. It's available to all people. Now, some will take this and they will say, that means that you do whatever you want. Jesus is going to justify you. No, Jesus calls you to repentance through faith and that's where the justification happens. There's a point where there is a transfer of trust. Romans 5.18. Romans 5.18. So then, as though one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through the righteous acts there is justification leading to life for everyone. 
See, all this occurs when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and with your heart believe God raised him from the dead and you are saved. And this isn't a flippant thing. Don't forget, your intentions are exposed in front of the Lord. This is where people sometimes have a little problem where they try to add Jesus to what they got going on. Everything else didn't work. I'll try this Jesus thing. It's not that. It's that I know that I am sinful and going to be judged by the holy God who created me. And when I stand before him, I have one and only hope. And that is that Jesus would come and pay the price and be my savior. And I've told you this before. And I don't want you to forget this before we get into Romans 10, 9, and 10. You are justified by Jesus Christ, assuming you are. You will be presented in front of a holy God as if you're perfect and never sinned, ever. And that will be then the start of your eternity. That's why they call it the good news. That's why some of us just commit our lives to it because this life means nothing other than that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Do you see it clearly in the word? It's important that you do. Because the days of cultural Christianity are fading. And they're fading right in front of our eyes. We now live in a world gone mad, like never before in history. At least in recorded history. Some people say, well, you know, in ancient Rome it was... Yeah, no. I'm talking about just absolute madness. People are now their own gods. If you really want to identify what's happening in our culture, and I'm going to start teaching this on Wednesday nights starting in March, and I would encourage you to show up. Second week of March, we're still going to have testimony time, still going to have story times. Every other Wednesday, I'm teaching on this type of thing for us to sanctify and grow deeper. Why? Because people are now their own gods. If you eliminate God from society and from every walk of life and from everywhere, what's left? Self is all that remains. There's a term that Dr. Del Teca coined called homodesis. Homodesis. Desis means God, little g. And so people are now their own gods, and they determine what their reality, reality is because of their divinity. Stay with me. If they are divine and they claim something, you and I are not allowed to disagree, even if the biology is obvious. This little God must be allowed, must be addressed with the proper pronoun. We must all play make-believe because a self-proclaimed God has spoken a reality of their own making, and now all of us must capitulate. You must now bend the knee. Capitulation is a noun. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as this. The action of surrendering or ceasing to resist an opponent or demand. It is well stated. It's out in the open. It's a narrative that is in the public square in all walks of life. All Christians must capitulate to what the self-made gods demand of us. 
And that's the fact, Jack. Not today. One of the biggest reasons we got to this point is Christians, and particularly Christian leaders, all decided to get weak, decided to try to play Switzerland with the culture instead of standing up when the confrontation came to their doorstep. They refused to stand up and fight back. And how do you fight? You fight with love, with truth, with standing firm and not compromising with the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's a lot of great examples of some great ministries out there that stand firm for the truth, and they do it with love. I can share that with you when we're done with the message if you want. You guys remember how it all started coming in over the last 20 years? You're not tolerant. You need to be more tolerant. Tolerant was a word that meant compromise, and it turned out to be a one-way street, didn't it? Where's the tolerance for the authentic biblical believer? Asking for a friend. How about this quote? Published in 19, or I'm sorry. This quote was published in 2016. Maybe you've heard of this guy. Here's the quote. It is past time for pastors in this country to stand up and quit letting the wolves devour the sheep. As if doing so, they're doing something noble or righteous. Later in the article it says, it is almost like we have uh, leaders teaching people a fake 11th commandment, thou shall be nice, which is now more important than the first 10, said former syndicated radio host Chris Danielson, director of the new film Bible Idiots, where Danielson and his family try to convince people the Bible is the inspired word of God and should be viewed as authoritarian. Now, thank you. So maybe some of these leaders that are so soft and weak and worried about their church growth need to get spanked a few times in the public press. You'll get this apathy where you just lean on Jesus and you know what the truth is and you don't care anymore. I want you to see it. Let me put it this way. Maybe now is the time to rethink what you're doing with your justifications, assuming you are saved follow? I did. I still do. I still rethink my justification because now I'm a pastor. I had to rethink my justification and in my sanctification process as I decided to come and be a pastor. I'm telling you, it's much easier to be a radio personality where people can call your show and you can pray for them and then hang up on them. I'm sorry, cut them off. I'm sorry, send them back to the call screen or whatever you want to call it. No, you, when you're a pastor, you, and, and, and I say this about leaders too, and I say this about covenant partners too. Jesus starts putting stuff in your heart as far as love for the people that you're around that you did not anticipate having. You, you just can't help it. I'm looking at at least a dozen different faces that I was crying out to God for this week. This week. See, that next step, once you are justified in Christ, you're soundly saved, you're heaven-bound, okay, is authentically growing in Christ, authentically going deeper for such a time as this. The term is called sanctification. And point number four is upon us. And I didn't even want you to fill in the blank. I wanted it to be so clear to you that I just told Emily, I said, just print it right in the bulletin. Right in, the, right in the sermon notes. Sanctification, if not now, then when? Seriously. 
Seriously. So let's get the context here. Let's take it, because sometimes you think you're doing sanctification when the Bible's talking about justification and vice versa. Sometimes this gets spinned off into uh, replacement theology or, um, you know, prosperity gospel or, you know, just a whole bunch of other things. Name it and claim it and, and you know, the, just all these different debates come out because you're really talking about sanctification scriptures when uh, you're trying to do justification and vice versa. So let's take a second and look at this. Justification is your legal standing before God. It is a once and for all time deal. It's entirely the work of God. You don't give one ounce to your salvation. It is absolutely perfect in its form and purpose and is the same for all Christians. Did you get that? Now, sanctification and each of those things I mentioned is very different but very real. Listen now. Sanctification is not your legal standing before God. It is an internal condition with varying depths and strength. Sanctification is not once for all time. It is continuous throughout the life of the justified. Sanctification is not all God's work. No, 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 no. We must cooperate to make things happen. And don't spin that off into a works-based faith. That's not what it is. It's a legitimate thing. You have to participate. It's primarily God's work, but we must be a part of the process. Justification from the Savior is a perfect salvation, while sanctification is not perfected in this life. Being saved and justified is the same for all Christians, but sanctification is greater in some than it is in others. Okay, one more time. I'm going to do it side by side. You ready? Justification, legal standing. Sanctification, internal condition. Justification, once for all time. Sanctification continues throughout your life. Justification is entirely God's work. Sanctification, we cooperate. Justification is perfect in this life. You are perfectly justified. Sanctification is not perfect in this life. You're not going to live a perfect life. That's why we have grace and forgiveness. Start with yourself. Forgive yourself, some of you, if Jesus has forgiven you. Justification is the same in all Christians. Sanctification is greater in some than in others. I got a few scriptures on this. The sanctification growth process starts at the point of regeneration. When you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, as we just looked at, and you are in a spirit of repentance, you recognize yourself as a sinner, not just a good person who's maybe made a mistake or two. You are a sinful person in need of salvation, and you've transferred that trust. You're now justified before God. Okay? The sanctification process starts in that minute. 1 John 3.9 says, 1 John 3, 9 says, Everyone who has been born of God does not practice sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to keep on in sin because he has been born of God. Now, that, the stuff in parentheses on the screen there, that's implied. That's implied from some of the different translations. But if you just took it out of context, it would say that everyone who's been born of God does not sin. So people get justified and they think they're supposed to be perfect and they're not and they just struggle. 
That's not what it says. You don't practice sin anymore in the sanctification process. And if you do are practicing sin, God is going to convict you of that because he loves you. He's not going to just keep you rolling along. And you've been born of God, so you just can't keep on in that practice of sin. That's called the sanctification process. That doesn't mean when a brother or sister stumbles that we kick them when they're down. We, we help them up. 1 Corinthians 6.11 And some of you used to be like this. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. And that sanctification increases. You see how just from that one verse people can get this stuff mixed up? 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. See, that's primarily the work of God, but you have to participate in that. And how do some people take that? They start keep teaching these, they, they come out with these teachings and just browbeat people into behavior modification. And that's not it. Sanctification is, I don't want to keep doing these things. I don't want to keep thinking this way. And God starts to grow us bit by bit, brick by brick. We depend on God to sanctify us. In that active role, we strive to obey God and take steps that will increase our sanctification. We start to work at it. Romans 6.13 and Romans 12.1 give us a little passive action suggestions here. Let's look at them. Start with 6.13. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for the unrighteous, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. There's a passive offering ourselves to God. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of mercies of God, so while we're looking through the mercies of God coming on us, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Now let's get some active action verses in here. Let's go to Romans 8, 13. And I, I actually put the word you right in your notes so you don't miss the you, okay? Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you. There's God. He's working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose, but you're there working out your salvation with fear and trembling as well. Jesus, throughout the New Testament, says, eyes to see, ears to hear. And once you have that, you, you start wanting to work on it every day. So what ways do we develop depth and growth in this way? What, what, what do we do? Well, read and meditate on God's Word. Prayer, witnessing, Christian fellowship, self-discipline, self-control. But the big thing, the big one, here it comes. I wish Seth was up here to give a drum roll and not interrupt me. <laughs> The big one, worship. More specifically, 
praise. Praise is the way where the firm truth of the gospel meets the sweetness of God's love. Where we praise God in prayer, in song, in word. It is just the best. And when we gather together for giving praise to one, even breaking bread together, even having little coffees together, even meeting each other on the street, it's, it's just better. It's the best. Authentic praise leads directly into sanctification growth. Directly. What gets affected in the process? Our will, our spirit, our intellect, our emotions, our physical bodies get affected. You don't think that there's spiritual things that affect your physical body? Then I need to talk to you for like six out of the last eight hours over the night because I couldn't sleep waiting to give this message. And it wasn't that I was that excited. It's that I just feel like the enemy was probably attacking me. In the furnace room, I told him I woke up with bags under my eyes so bad this morning I didn't even know if I could see. And Emily said, you know, the eyes, the eyes are the window to the soul and you've got a lot of baggage. It does affect our physical bodies. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, as we bring it home. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blaming at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've shared this with some folks. And I don't know if words don't do it justice. But when I came to Lifehouse to be your pastor a year ago, I came because I asked God for something. And I think he gave it to me when he sent me here. I said, God, I am supposed to look for your return every day. Lord Jesus, come quickly. And when I get out on the plains of Kansas, I want you to come. I'm looking for Jesus Christ to return. And Lord, would you help me surround myself with remnant believers who want to be strong for such a time as this? Not a bunch of pretenses, not a bunch of church playing games. And here we are. So that leads us to the text for today, Romans 8, 28 and 29. Romans 8, 28 is a life verse for so many people. And some, sometimes I don't think they, they understand it. Those that do get it, and I want you to get it. I want you to take it and hold on to it. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. How's he doing that? Through sanctification. How's he doing that? With your participation. So that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Don't lose those who love God. That's the justified. And don't forget that when he works it all out for the good, who's good? Our good. And our good is for what? It's for his glory. And it's according to his purpose. I think of those Christians that got intentionally left behind by the American government on the Afghanistan tar uh, tarmac. They went to meet Jesus. It was awful. 
But somehow God's getting glory from that. You see what I'm saying? People take this verse and it's just like, I'm supposed to get the promotion, I'm supposed to get this, I'm supposed to be. No. You want to know when you know that it's, uh, you're getting uh, all things work together for good because you love God and are called according to his purpose? Do you know when you know that? When it's well with you. And you have peace that passes all understanding because you're being sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for spending your time with Mr. Bible Idiot, Chris Danielson. To learn more or to reach out to us, go to BibleIdiots.com. You can email us directly at Chris at BibMediaGroup.com, which is in the upper left-hand corner of the website. Another way to connect with us is our church app. Simply search Lifehouse Church Kansas in the App Store or Google Play Store. The Lifehouse app has an option to give to this outreach. Look for Bible Idiots under the giving module within the app. From all of us associated with the Bible Idiots brand, thanks for listening and please share this podcast with your world if the Lord leads you to do so. Many blessings. I'm Emily Danielson. May you get into the word of God today and go and serve your king.